0: So it's January and some years I choose a word for the year and some years I don't. I wonder if you all choose a word or a phrase or a passage for the year. Last year I actually had a quote and I had different parts of it and I chose a word for each quarter which helped me because it just felt like a meaningful amount of time. Um, But this year, I've decided to choose the word horarium, and it's a funny word, isn't it? And it basically means to create... A meaningful and intentional schedule so to have a schedule but to not be so regimented to have one that helps you to live your best life a life with purpose and love and joy so basically kind of creating that and it reminded me of the name pure Sand literacy and why After many months, I came up with such a silly name. Um, So Pure is because I want the most effective, efficient systems. We clutter our curriculum with so much extra stuff. I will never forget when John Hattie said, this is probably five years ago, but it was so impactful, I will never forget. I was listening to him speak and John Hattie said, basically, in the United States where I am, we need to get rid of half our curriculum. We've cluttered it so full with all these to-dos that we are muddling up our day. And so when I think of pure, it's because I want our days to be as efficient and effective and joyful as possible and just clean and simple. We don't need a lot of extra stuff in our way. We need to do the important things and do them well and kind of get rid of all the fluff are and not the fun but just the all the things we think are these extras that we really don't actually need and then sand is for the toes in the sand feeling meaning when i think of my word for the year and my goals for the year i want to create systems and schedules that work well so i can be the best most impactful teacher in the most efficient way so I can live the rest of my life. Because as much as I love literacy, and I'm so passionate, obviously, about literacy, I'm also passionate about my husband and my children and getting to go on trips and having fun together, playing, whether we're at home or going skiing or hiking. Although my son did not appreciate our last hike, but that's another story, for the most part, to go have fun in the outdoors and just enjoy our life so to have mission and purpose and passion but also to have fun while doing it thus pure sand and it reminded me of how we can as educators create these highly impactful efficient instructional systems and the magic is in small groups the small group methods that we choose have the power to completely like double triple learning, to completely accelerate learning, if we do them in a pure, effective way, I guess, just like pure and simple, but highly effective and efficient. So one of the things I wanted to talk about today is kind of how I go about reframing old beliefs about guided reading and other small group instructional methods that i used to use more often when i started teaching and how i've learned to assess students so that i can teach them in a different way in a small group Um, so one if you haven't heard episode one i talk about Aries phases of word learning. And that is one way that I think about small groups. I use in encoding a quick and simple takes five minutes in coding assessment where I give students what looks like a spelling test but it's really just a window in the way they think about words and it helps me to see which sounds they're processing and not processing and um, I like to complement that with a phonemic awareness assessment especially focusing on blending and segmenting Um, so that gives me kind of the word learning Portion of things but for me to run a group that is aligned to the art and science of reading and by that I mean I of course am steeped in the research but I also know that in the research it is very clear that the best teachers, the ones that make the greatest impact are the ones that know how to respond to the students in front of them. And it's the teacher, it's, it's, it's you, it's you're the person that makes the biggest impact. So yes, we need to use certain instructional strategies and routines that are proven to be more effective than others, but it's also the art. It's also you responding to your student and engaging with them and knowing how to provide feedback that is so important. So when I talk about the art and the science of reading, I'm talking about empowering the teachers and then also following the research base and doing that in kind of a beautiful orchestrated way. So three ways that I like to run um, art and science of reading aligned assessments so that i can plan really powerful small group instruction is one like i said the spelling or encoding assessment and maybe picking backing that with some um, phonemic awareness assessment and then two a fluency assessment and this can some people think fluency is predominantly words per minute and while that is an important barometer it's kind of not what i hang my hat on uh, especially with k2 readers i do pay close attention to it and i use some assessment methods um like you could use literally which is a running record but um not necessarily use it for leveling students i like to give it to some students because it quickly records their voice so i can go back and not only get at words per minute but listen to how they're reading so it doesn't have to be literally but it up to 10 students is free so it's great if there are some students that you want to drill down more deeply um that kind of uh, or you might use it for a whole class and use it for other means and and have the paid portion. But basically the idea is some quick, efficient ways where you could get awards per minute. But what I really wanted to emphasize, and I'm looking at kind of my assessment packet that I use um, to help talk to you about it, is this fluency chart with four phases of fluency. So either a student is reading word by word or they're reading predominantly in two phrase word two word phrase groups or three to four word phrase groups or they're really reading in large meaningful phrase groups and inside of each of these phases of fluency that i use um there's kind of some building blocks like in phase one when they're really wording reading word by word there you'll notice often sounding out many of the words and repeating the words. And it can sound a little laborious at times. And then in phase two, students are reading moderately slowly. And their phrasing is appropriate sometimes. But they're not necessarily like stressing the most important part of the sentence um, or really reading in really meaningful phrases. And then by phase three, they're reading in bigger phase groups. And they're reading at a more appropriate rate. That's where the rate or the words per minute comes in, and um, they're really starting to attend to punctuation and reading with a little bit more expression, kind of bringing the story to life, and or life. And then phase four is a large meaningful fa- phrase groups where they're re- reading with expressive interpretation of the text. And I think this is important because fluency is critical to reading well. It's critical to comprehension. So with the science of reading, there's so much emphasis on phonics and phonemic awareness and decodables, and all of that is completely important. But you can have a student who is really mastering that area who is not fluent because fluency is associated with decoding, but it's also its own In my dissertation study, I focused on early literacy assessments and screeners, and when I did my research, I was surprised to see how it was really its own unique variable. And there's been other research out there to support this as well, but it kind of fluency gets muddled uh, kind of lumped in with decoding or comprehension when i i guess one way that i would encourage people to think about switching from traditional assessments where we're just leveling a student to the art and science of reading is to think about fluency as um its own piece of the puzzle that is taught um connected to in-text comprehension and connected to decoding, but it's also its own thing we can work on um, when we teach students how to read in meaningful phrases. So the first area is um, encoding or spelling assessment, really looking at the word learning portion, Piggybacking that with some phonemic awareness, so the word study portion, then fluency for the second portion, and then the third thing that I look at for comprehension is a retail. And the reason that is, is because a retail is a really great window into how well a student is processing a text and it's a tremendous way for teaching comprehension so when you're thinking about small groups we're not thinking of teaching every little bit of reading all in a 10 20 30 minute session depending on the type of grouping but we're thinking of efficiency we're thinking of what can i give this student where I can add to their repertoire of reading skills, develop their reading um, in the most efficient, effective way. And retell is a beautiful area of comprehension. So what another part of that is story structure. So when I ask a student to retell, I'm looking at character setting. Can they identify the problem or the kickoff in the story? Basically that initiating event. Do they identify the character's reaction or feeling about that event? Do they discuss the character's action or way they go about solving the problem, the ending of the story, and then how the characters feel at the end of the story? So, by asking a student to retell a story, you can understand. One, if they understand story structure or not, and if they don't, just teaching that explicitly has a high effect size. So you know right away what to delve into. And then two, oftentimes students have some elements like they might give you, if they're in kindergarten, a beginning, middle, and end. But I would argue, and this might be a little bit controversial, but the research really supports it, that students' oral language, how they orally talk about a story will directly impact their comprehension and their writing. The oral language component is directly connected to the comprehension and writing component. So if we teach our students story structure and story grammar and teach them how to retell utilizing story grammar, their oral language development will become more sophisticated, which in turn will impact their reading comprehension and their writing abilities. So those are my three key assessments for kind of moving from some of the more traditional, like giving a student a running record, giving them a level and a guided reading book, to transitioning away from that into assessments that will help our small group instruction through word work, which is phonemic awareness and encoding assessments fluency, and then the comprehension part with a retail assessment. They're all quick, efficient, pure, simple, and highly impactful. I hope that you try them out and let me know what you think of them and what works for you in your small groups and tra- transitioning to the art and science of teaching reading.